Hi, this is John Pichetti, and along with my colleague Scott Emig, welcome to season two of We Will Get Through This, Transformative Leadership for Disruptive Times. And our theme for season two is Hero Teachers and Leaders. And there's no better person I know to represent the hero teacher part than in my own flesh and blood, my beautiful daughter, Catherine Leachev. And Katie, it's great to see you. You're so far away. I wish we could have a hug even in COVID times. Hi, Dad. Thanks for having me on. Now, Katie, tell us a little bit about your teaching career so far and uh, how it's going for you. Well, I guess you could say the apple fell really close to the tree, considering that we have all educators in our family, including you, me, and my brother and his wife, and also mom with teaching yoga. So I went to um, a university in North Carolina for my undergrad for elementary education, followed by getting my master's degree from a different university in North Carolina. Um, so I have my master's in education. I've been teaching for eight years in lower elementary grades, and I just recently finished my national board certification process, and hopefully we'll be finding out about that sometime next year. Yeah, what an amazing career, and it's hard to believe eight years have gone by. And, you know, as a master teacher now, you've thought you saw it all, and then 2020 snuck up on us. Um, I think kindergarten teachers are the quiet heroes of our society uh, in the translation between the early childhood experience and then the formal schooling experience. And I think most of us couldn't figure out how we could teach a five-year-old on Zoom. Yet this year, you've been able to do that, and you've gone through a series of transformations from starting last school year in school, moving to a period of time that was uncertain, and then online, schooling from home or whatever language you use. And then you're now in a place where your school started back, but only had half the kids for part of the day, the other half for the other part of the day, and now you're back. That's a lot of work to do. And I just admire you and all of our teacher colleagues out there around the world. But as you've thought about still trying to promote learning in this really pivotal year, which is the year they learn how to do school, <laughs> right? And they're trying to learn the basic formation of literacy and numeracy that is, makes you such a gifted colleague. How do you do that in those different formats? How, how did you approach all these transitions you've had this year? I would say that the end of last year was a different approach than this year. The end of last year, we were fortunate, if you can consider anything in this situation fortunate, we were fortunate that the children had already made it through 75% of the school year. So let while me just, my children- let me, let me just help our listeners out. In North America, the school years were already going when COVID came in March. And so what Katie's talking about, they were already in a regular school year. Here in Australia, we do it by the calendar year. So actually the year was interrupted in a different place. Sorry, I just interrupted you just for no, any confusion. Problem. We had about three months left of the school year at the point when we had to go and into the, the stay at home. And my children at that point were fairly independent at reading and writing. And as a technology generation already, really picked up the skills of using Zoom very quickly. Of course, they were very eager to unmute themselves and you know interact with their friends, but they also picked up on the muting and unmuting pretty quickly. So if I could say anything was a positive of what we had to go through last year, it was the fact that when I said, oh, I would like for you to write a sentence about this topic, they knew exactly what I was talking about. Now, I do think it was a, a tough transition for the parents um, having to ha become pretty much the 
full type teachers at home because there was only so much direction that I could give. I will say the difference between that experience and this current experience I'm in is that I was getting fresh babies straight from preschool, hadn't even been in preschool for months at that time, had a very disorganized schedule, if any schedule at all, coming into what was not just a structured learning experience, but a structured learning experience with excessive rules now because of COVID. So it wasn't just typical school rules. It was, you can't touch this. You know, you can't, you can't, I feel like our mantra right now this year is spread out, spread out, spread out, make sure you're not too close. And so it's completely different. However, I think my main focus was socialization rather than academics at the start of the school year. I was more concerned how are these sweet little children going to socialize if they're six feet apart in these little isolated bubbles and some of them are at home on their computer? So I think I focus more on socialization and growing together as a class before really hitting on academics because there's really only so much you can do this year. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? What you've had to think about. Now, think about what you normally teach. Let's say the start of this academic year, which you've just done in the last several weeks. Um, and you've tried to promote learning in the same way, yet you started with these mix and match groups of A group in the morning and B group in the afternoon, and then some kids still on Zoom. It's, are some kids behind where they should be just because of this, do you think? Or is everything fine because we're just finding flexible ways to do this? I would say that um, all of the grades at my school are behind in just the sense of a timeline. I wouldn't say that children are necessarily behind in academics per se in terms of not being able to comprehend but I would say just in terms of our timeline I mean we're a few months behind because we were starting at 50% of our day and so you know if you can imagine if you're only having 50% of your day you're only learning 50% of the material so we are behind curriculum wise in that sense but I would say that in terms of what we have been able to teach the children are doing quite well and being able to handle the materials quite well some of it is they didn't have a lot of distractions those first few weeks because they were all in isolated little islands yep. six feet apart. So they really just took to their learning. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? And we're happy to have Scott join us for this episode one of season two. And Scott, welcome. Hi, Scott. Katie, it's it's wonderful to see you. and. John, it's good to be with you again. Yeah, so Katie's just taken us on the journey of trying to teach kindergarten in about five different formats, face-to-face, -face, then go online, and then come back with half your kids, and some of them on Zoom, and now they're all back. And some, we were focusing on the learning component of, of things, which is, you know, I was asking Katie, does she think their kids are behind? And with only doing 50% for a while of the day, that's true. Katie, do you think that there's been other learning that they got, even though they're only five going on six, do you think some of those future focus skills about being able to um, handle amb ambiguity and uncertainty or respecting difference, young children are so able to do that because they don't know different, but do you think there's some advantage over everybody who's thought the world was the same or is there nothing because they're too young? What do you think? I think this group of kindergartners that I've had this year handles change extraordinarily well and it's because they haven't known anything else our rules are changing literally every day 
<laughs> I mean, we started this week, Monday, the whole group had to go to the bathroom at the same time. They had to stand six feet apart in the hallway. They all had to go at one time. And then we realized that doesn't work. You can't, it's just mass chaos when you do that. And so then the next day, okay, we have new bathroom rules. I mean, we've had a new bathroom rule almost every day of this week. And now there's new guidelines saying some of the children are wearing face shields rather than masks. There's new guidelines saying that the face shields are not great at being protective. So now we're switching to making sure they're all in masks. So it's just, I mean, constantly changing these guidelines and these rules. Yep. And I think that the teachers are the ones who have a harder time with it than the children. The children are like, okay, we got it. And it's been kind of extraordinary. And I do think an interesting part of that is that they had so few children in their cohort it, in the beginning of the year where learning those rules was easy to them. There were no distractions. And it was it was very much more, I mean, we had a one to seven ratio. It was just, it was me and seven children. Imagine being able to teach seven children. You can do so much with them. And now that they're all back, because they had that previous background of all of those rules, they just get it now. So is it, I honestly did not mind a transition into kindergarten that was kind of staggered that way with fewer at a time, really learning the foundations and the rules, then coming back together and then they're ready to go. Katie, Katie, I'm curious, play this, play this forward a little bit. Think, think about these kids in a few years. And when you think about, you know, their introduction to, to school, um, what gives you, what gives you optimism, you know, in terms of thinking about what this year is teaching them, but also what gives you pause? What, what, what the back of your mind is making you say, Oh, I'm, I'm a little worried about this. I think the, only thing that truly gives me pause right now is that we're creating a generation of hypochondriacs <laughs> and that they're going to be so scared to touch anything. Like one day when they're told, it's okay, you can go sharpen your pencil on your own. They're going to be like, nope, can't do that. Like I must go through another person or like must wear gloves. We must wipe that with Clorox wipes um, just because that's what they're used to now. I mean, they cannot touch anything. And if they do, it must be wiped down. Um, so I think that we're, I mean, even though it's instilling this great sense of self-awareness, I also think it's instilling an early self-awareness of the world is very dirty. And so that can be a pro or a con, but I do think that this group understands a lot better, honestly, how, how hard it is on the adults. I think that's a new perspective that young children don't normally think about. And I really think that my kids are perceiving like, oh, wow, like my teacher has to do a lot for me right now. Like I can't just keep calling out and I can't just keep raising my hand. I can't just keep saying me, 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 because she's over there cleaning five things and trying to help the friends on the computer. And they've learned a lot of patience and a lot of flexibility that I try to teach in my other classes as well. But I just think this year they see more of the impact of like some of the things that I would normally do behind the scenes, cleaning and things like that, that they don't participate in. Now I have to do all of it in front of them. So I think they're seeing more of, oh, wow, this is a big job. I should respect this and I should wait my turn. So that's, I think, something to look forward to for that, for that class. Katie, the resiliency it takes to shuffle the modes of teaching, it's hard enough to teach five-year-olds, but then to teach them all these different ways. How have you and your colleagues found that resiliency to go with this and and the exhaustion that it actually means to keep doing things. Because I think in the previous format you were in, you actually didn't get lunch. You had half your kids in the morning, half in the afternoon, and we're cleaning in between. Uh, that's just wear and tear that's beyond what teachers signed up for. I mean, I think you just have to lean on each other. And I think, I mean, our my principal's mantra this year is the word pivot. She said, if you we pivot. 
and we move on. You know, it's okay. I feel like teachers have notoriously a job where you can plan all you want and things are just going to go awry and you have to be flexible and you have to pivot. But this year in particular, every day it feels like a different pivot. And so I feel like you just have to rely on each other, remind each other constantly like that we need to have grace with each other because things are going to be different. I mean, I just had a conversation yesterday with the first grade teacher that I was like, are you going to be okay that my teacher, my kids won't learn how to read this year? And it was a joke, of course, but it was also me saying, I'm a little concerned that my kids are not going to be able to read in the same capacity that they were the last year. Or like, how are we going to get through this? Are we going to be okay that they're coming to you with a little bit of a different educational background than they usually are? So being open with communication, checking in with your team, but also just reminding each other, there is only so much we can control. And we have to do the best we can, but we might not be able to do everything we can normally do. And that, as a teacher, I think that's really hard. You wanna do everything you can for your students, but you have to remind yourself, we can only get so much done. And Katie, um, kindergarten teachers are incredibly important to parents. As I mean, I'm sure all teachers are, but boy, this is the this is the year where parents are really trying to understand what's happening at school, and this is when their babies are going off and spending time away, and parents are trying to figure out everything right now. You are probably far, far, far more important this year to parents, I would suspect, than ever before. Um, are you seeing are you seeing some shifts there, or some expectations on you that? you're feeling either stronger connections or stronger needs so it's interesting i'm actually in the middle of conferences with my parents right now and filling them in on kind of how the first quarter has gone and i would say parents right now are very much interested in a lot of the dynamics of kindergarten that they haven't necessarily been interested in before like the nuances of some of the phonics rules that we learn. Like we learn about digraphs and blends and bossy R and silent E. And I think parents right now are like, can, can you teach me this? Like, I think the previous years, the parents were just kind of like, okay, you're learning this, like whatever, like you got this, right? Like this is on you. And now I feel like they're like, I need you to teach this to me because I don't know how to teach this to my kid. And now I'm realizing, I think people hear kindergarten and they think, oh, that's so cute, right? You're tying your shoes, you're coloring, you're doing the alphabet. And they're not wrong about that. But also we are doing a lot of rigorous academic skills that used to be on first graders. Like truly children are learning the foundations of reading and writing. And I think people also forget when you're an adult how much work it took to learn how to read and write, that there's a lot of rules and the English language does not make sense. And so when parents sit down to teach their child to how to read a word, and it's like, here's a digraph, here's the bossy R, and here's like a blend. They're like, I don't know how I'm supposed to help you read this. So I think they're really invested in learning these skills so they can teach it to their kids. And usually it's more of like, okay, this is your job. And I think they now accept that it's our job. So where do you see this all going, Katie, in terms of the way in which teaching and learning has happened in the past? We've now done a lot of more online. You've used a lot of apps to help you with the homeschooling component of things. You're still using that for kids that are forced to be home because they're in vulnerable situations. When we get a vaccine and when we're comfortable, and I realize that's further away than we would like, but what do you think the residual effects will be? Will you teach kindergarten the same 
uh, when we're done with this? Or will you make some modifications or recommend to your school that they adopt some more flexibility that we've allowed this year? So that's a really interesting question because I do think it's, you know, depending on the grade level, and I think it's very subjective per teacher because I think the upper grades in my school, my school goes from kindergarten through eighth grade, the upper grades in my school love the online system. It's very user friendly. They use Google Classroom and it's very user friendly for older children. Older children are a lot more tech savvy. They can be independent and sit and do their work. They can plug into a computer in their classroom and be connected with a student at home and it's like they're all still one big class. I thought I would love the online aspect for homework. We, when we were doing it on Seesaw, which is a program that we use um, in March last school year, I thought, this is great. I'm going to adapt this next school year even for homework. Now, after a quarter of using Seesaw, I'm realizing it takes me double the work. You know, I have to take my in-class lessons mm -hmm. and make them online lessons. And I could just have my in-class lessons if my children are in class with me. And so when all the students were able to come back, I realized for myself, I, I like my paper homework. I like the paper packet and the paper books that goes home in the binders on Fridays and comes back the next Friday. And that online idea was wonderful, but it just wasn't for me because it was so much more work. And then you were spending your days after school constantly grading online. Whereas previously I was just grading in the classroom on Fridays. So it was not the dynamic that I personally wanted, especially for the younger children where we get what we call iPad finger coming into kindergarten where their handwriting is very poor, their fine motor skills are very poor because they typically just use their pointer finger and they're sliding on apps. And I kind of realized as well, like my job as a kindergarten teacher is to teach them tangible and like through manipulative things in the classroom with their hands and their brains and being creative and doing projects. It's not really to put them in front of a computer because they do that all day anyways at home. They're typically watching TV or on iPad. So I think I still love an in-classroom paper, hands-on manipulative model of teaching. I can see a lot of other teachers, teachers using more online systems in the future, but I think for myself, for kindergarten and for lower grades, I will still like the, the classic model. Yep. So just to follow up, and we've only got a minute left, I realize, sorry about the rush of this question, but I think, do you think that students who might be homebound because of an injury or an illness or a sick relative um, will be more flexible to actually say, oh, you can just zoom in today, um, that it might actually be okay? Because in the past, those seemed like lots of bother, and now it just seems like, oh, whatever, <laughs> you know, we got yes, this. I will, yes, I will say that's the one thing that I do really like my online system for is for absences. So yep. now when a child is absent, it's not, okay, well, let me just scramble all this stuff together and send it home, or I'll just get them caught up tomorrow, even though that's more work. Now it's, okay, well, let me just take a screenshot of this, put it on the online system. You guys can do it at home. And I do actually really like that model for absences. Um, yep. So that's been actually really nice. Yeah, particularly extended ones that might be their kids will not fall further behind. And I think that flexibility um, is, is really profound. Katie, we have to thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we're really pleased to have you launch our second season of this podcast. We will get through this. This notion of transformative leadership for disruptive times. You're a transformative teacher, a master teacher on your own right, but it certainly is a disruptive year. 
And Scott, we know we appreciate Katie joining us today to, to kick off season two. Very much, Katie. Thank you for sharing your positivity. It's always great to see you. Great to see you guys too. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much. We'll see you next time on We Will Get Through This for episode two, Hero Teachers and Leaders.